When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. And now you've got Kajula looking for the activating nurse. He's got him to win it. Nurse shoots and scores! Riley takes the snap, settles into the pocket. He's got some time. Now he's going deep, looking down the sidelines. Oh, what a catch! And that's going to be a touchdown all the way to the end zone for Darrell Walker. An absolute bomb. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. The overall trend is a good one. In the regular season, the Edmonton Eskimos have entertained the Saskatchewan Rough Riders 57 times at Commonwealth Stadium. The Eskimos are 45 and 12 in those games. However, the most recent outing was not a good one for the Green and Gold. Last August 25th, the Riders came in here and pummeled the Eskimos 54-31. You may remember that one, as Dave Campbell reminded me earlier, Mike Riley threw not one but two pick sixes in that game. Tomorrow, 8 o'clock kickoff, 6 o'clock for the countdown to kickoff right here on 6.30 Ched with Morley Scott, Dave Campbell, Brendan Ulrich, and Blake Dermott. Dave's going to join me in a couple of minutes. The team's getting ready for the game. The Riders rolled into town this afternoon. Chris Jones held a media availability. He's the head coach of the Riders. And, of course, Dave jumped right in there with this question. What do you hope that Zach will bring to the quarterback position that maybe you haven't been getting from your other quarterback yeah you know what i mean uh it's kind of that's kind of a divisive question i mean again our other quarterbacks have have played well i mean we won two football games with them one on the road and so uh they've done some nice things and i mean brandon bridge has been a guy that we we won football games with last year and played for us in the uh, in the playoffs so uh for me to say anything negative about brandon does brandon have things he needs to work on yeah and he already knows what they are we speak about them uh, but, uh, you know, certainly Zach's been a very successful quarterback for a long time. Uh, in fact, in this building a couple years ago when we were here in Edmonton, he got after us pretty good. And, again, we're looking for Zach just to come in. He's not going to be Superman. He's going to make mistakes also, but just come in and be Zach. My name is Reed Wilkins. This is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chad, you can reach out by texting 630-630. The open line number is 780-496-0063. Dave Campbell joins me in studio. Dave, why are you asking divisive? I've always said it divisive. Why are you asking divisive questions to Chris Jones? Why are you trying to tear apart the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on the eve of a game? Wow, you sound like some of the (laughs) tweets I get from Ryder fans. What's wrong with you? Why do you hate us? I don't hate you. 
I like to poke fun sometimes and needle rider fans. But overall, we have a good relationship. So. I hope so. <laughs> well, mostly. <laughs> so Kalaros is going to start. Yeah. The depth chart came out today. Uh, I, I thought Jones is, I mean, Chris Jones is uh, an expert at, at talking and saying nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of people in the sports world master that leading into games, depending Absolutely. on the environment you get them. Uh, but you weren't. You, you didn't say why does why does Brandon Bridge suck? You're you're to me. You're clearly asking. You're getting a more experienced quarterback back. Yeah. Isn't isn't that a good thing? Well, <laughs> and let's consider the week that Chris Jones and the Riders have had. They were down twenty four nothing. In fact, they were down seventeen nothing to the ride or to the Stampeders, and the Stampeders had one first down. Right. Right. So they got a points off turnovers, they had a kick return for a touchdown, and they were up 24-0. They they ended up winning the game 34-32, uh, 34-22. Brandon Bridge started the game and played pretty much all of it, except for maybe one or two snaps. Yep. Um, he didn't attempt to pass longer than 17 yards. Uh, he didn't complete a pass longer than 10 yards. Um, Steve McAdoo, the offensive coordinator, used to be the offensive coordinator here under Chris Jones with the Eskimos, was booed out of the building. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been the media that has been hammering Jones all week about, well, are you going to open up the playbook with Zach Caleros? Uh, mm-hmm. Well, what do you mean about that? I mean, we're, we're, we're calling the game the way we see it. And, you know, we heard him say that as well. Uh, problem is he had Mike Riley here, you know, and or he doesn't have Mike Riley. He had Mike Riley here in Edmonton. Um, so I think it's a question where he's a little sensitive on when you talk about his quarterbacks, you know, and he talked about what you see is what you get. We're going to run the offense the way we see fit. And and, and what I find interesting about his comment is uh, Zach's going to be Zach. Well, who is Zach right now? I don't know who Zach is. He's Is he 2015 Zach Caleros, who was the MOP candidate of mm-hmm. the league before the Eskimos knocked him out for the season in a September game in Hamilton? I don't know. He hasn't won a football game in a long. Well, hasn't won many games in a uh, in in a vast amount of time. I and mean, at what point he lost what ten games in a row, and then he won the opener. And it's not necessarily because of Zach Caleros, um, why the Riders beat the Toronto Argos at home in Week One, or is it the Zach Caleros who's going to come back from a concussion, which he said <laughs> I screwed up. I didn't tell the coaching staff. I didn't tell the trainers. I suffered a concussion in in preseason because. I'm here in Saskatchewan and Regina. I'm the, I'm the savior. I must save Ryder Nation. So, anyway, are they a better football team with Zach Caleros and Brandon Bridge? I'd say yes to a point. Um, we'll find out. But Chris Jones is quite sensitive about questions about his offense this week. Well, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have scored 11 points in the first quarter <laughs> all season long. I want to get into that uh, a little bit later on. I'll have some comments from Mike Riley. The uh, We'll get to some Eskimos news as well. Uh, we're just starting it off with the Riders since we heard Jones talk today. Calaro starts. Deron Carter goes back to offense. Mm-hmm. I, I got a I got a buddy who's a very big Riders fan who was texting me a big sigh of relief this <laughs> afternoon that he's going to see Deron Carter on offense. Well, and it's uh, I think it's long overdue. I don't understand, and I know Chris Jones is the master of finding athletes. I mean, he wants long, mm-hmm. uh, lean, quick, Fast, yep. physical athletes. I mean, he's got a former receiver as a defensive end in Toby Antigua, and he's doing a pretty good job um, for the Riders. He's one of their, their drop defensive ends or defensive linemen that, you know, Odell Willis. He's we, their Odell. Yeah, he's their Odell Willis. That's right. So, um, but... To not have a suitable replacement for Nick Marshall, who was 
the replace who uh, Deron Carter replaced. He was on the six game been well. He's removed off the six game injured list after uh, being placed on it after week one. Is mind boggling. You do not have another American defensive back in your building, but. You know, Chris Jones believes that Deron Carter's athletic enough to play corner. They missed him on offense. There's no cool. question about it. He's a better offensive player than a defensive player. And it'll be interesting to see where they line him up. They have him listed on the depth chart as the slot back to the wide side of the field. And he's facing his matchup is Money Hunter. Ooh, that's a little tough, right? So, but they could put him anywhere. Like the, I mean, the Eskimos move receivers around as well. So, and if someone gets hurt on the defensive side, then obviously Carter's going to go back. Um, but they're a little thin because uh, they usually dress Caleb Hawley um, while Carter was on defense. Um, but Hawley's been scratched because, or on the one game injury list because they don't have room for him, right? So, it's. Uh, I think for the Riders, it's smart to put him back on offense. They should have done it a long time ago because their offense really suffered. They've scored six offensive touchdowns. They scored 11 touchdowns in total. Six on offense, four on defense, one on special teams. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, that's how Chris. Well, I don't know if that's how Chris Jones likes it, but he wants he, he wants most of the big plays to come from the special teams on the defense. Well, then, he, he, like a, a perfect yeah. Chris Jones drive is an interception or a long return, and then the offense has to go 30 yards. For sure. I mean, we saw games, especially in 2014 and, and a bit in 2015, um, where he didn't mind winning a, a 10-8 game in Ottawa. He didn't mind winning 19 to whatever, right? right. As long as the defense held the opponent to you know, about 15 points, he knew the offense was good enough here to score beyond that, even though in 2014, I mean, Mike Riley was still progressing as a starter and then really came to the forefront after, uh, you know, really took off after coming back from that serious knee injury in 2015. But, you know, Zach Caleros on paper, and you would think, you know, when you really take a long, hard look at it, should give the offense a better look and more confidence. But we don't even know what Zach Caleros the type of person he is uh, or even the type of player he is right now because of uh, the concussion history and hasn't won a lot of games since 2015. This is going to be an interesting matchup with Carter going back to offense, Claro's back. The Eskimos secondary, I think, is their weakest positional unit because totally of some of the injuries and inexperience. I'm going to ask GM Brock Sunderland about that in the next half hour. For the Eskimos, uh, they've had to shake up the offensive line a little bit. Yeah, they have. Uh, so Justin Sorensen's on the one-game injury list, lower body injury. Uh, he told me today should only be a week. Okay. So that's good news. The Eskimos play the BC Lions in Vancouver next Thursday. So it's two changes for one player that's out. So David Beard shifts from right guard to center, mm-hmm. and Jacob Ruby will get his first start as an Eskimo at right guard, former first-round pick of the Montreal Alouettes. So um, that's a lot of change for one position. I mean, we saw earlier when Tommy Dreheim broke his thumb uh, in uh, week one in Winnipeg, that that caused three changes with O'Donnell moving over, Travis Bond coming in, and then uh, David Beard moving from uh, left to right guard. So um, it, it's a change. Uh, Mike Riley's confident David Beard played enough games that I think that the those two have a have a you know a good rapport, but he hasn't played center all seasons. So except for a bit last week in Montreal. Do you think? I mean, Chris Jones is a defensive master. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as we talk about, as much as sometimes his approaches to offense might be head scratching uh, and frustrating to Riders fans, he is a defensive master. Yep. There's no doubt about that. 
do you think he can still do things to to fool Mike Riley like over, over long term in a game? I think he or, can. Or do you think, yeah? Uh, you know, I go back to the game last year at home. You're referencing that 54-31 uh, game, and he was picked off twice for touchdowns on two straight series. You know, but back then, that's when it was starting to fall apart for the Eskimos after that 7-0 start and they, the injuries piled up. And, yep. um, Mike Riley's game really started to fall off a bit. Um, so it's a different Mike Riley that we're seeing now. And Chris Jones made a great comment about how difficult it is to defend Mike Riley. He said on film, Kenny Stafford's covered by Mitchell White. And he asked his defensive group, is he open or covered? Oh, he's covered. The ball comes out anyway, mm-hmm. right? So if that Mike Riley comes to play tomorrow, which I suspect that's what's going to happen, it's a great matchup. But there's no question. What do you do with Mike Riley? Well, like any quarterback, hit him. Make sure. sure he doesn't have time. Um, and the Eskimos have been pretty good at, at, at not allowing sacks. They have only allowed four in six games. That's number one in the league, so you got to be pretty happy about that. So, um, But Chris Jones is going to, you know, what does he like to do? He likes to send pressure, but he likes to drop in, uh, a lot of players in his zones and players you don't even think about. Um, like yeah. Toby Antigua That's dropping back. Where's, who's dropping back? Where's the blitz exactly, coming from? Exactly. Can you recognize where the... Where the, uh, where the uh, the soft spots in the zones, and that's what I mean. Chris Jones has changed. He used to be pressure, pressure, pressure. Now he's somewhat pressure, but he's also about zone drops and making sure that he confuses the quarterback. And he can do that to any quarterback, and Mike Riley is uh, included in that. Well, the thing with Riley, he trusts the receivers. Yes, he's throwing the fifty-fifty balls. Yeah, I mean, not, keep not doing just it. a Duke, but I mean even yeah. Bahar. He's like, I, I think I can drop it in there, and Bahar can go get it. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's to me, that's the, a big evolution, and that's the what makes to me the Eskimos extra dangerous. It's not just the talent; it's the trust. Yeah, that and Mike's going to get me the ball. Yeah, the receivers are thinking Mike's going to get me the ball, and Riley's thinking if I give them half a chance, they'll go get it. You know, we always hear we'll take what the defense gives us. Mike Riley uh, will do that to a point, but he'll also say. You know, we have to challenge the defense right. as well, and he will do that. You know, there was only one game where he was basically goaded into challenging the defense deep, and that was against the Hamilton Tiger Cats under uh, the direction of uh, Jerry Glanville, the defensive coordinator. Yeah. He said, "I'll take everything short away. I'll make you go deep." Right? That's pretty ballsy, and it worked for the for the Tiger Cats. So most of the time, that doesn't work though against Mike Riley. So. Um, you know, I think the key to Mike Riley hit him and you know make him make him do more conservative things on the field than you know what he likes to do, and that is what, like you say, trust the receiver to go get go get the uh, deep ball. No one has thrown the ball deeper or completed more passes beyond twenty yards or attempted. You're going to hear a little bit from Mike Riley. You'll hear a little bit more from Chris Jones. You'll hear from Eskimos head coach Jason Moss. And uh, coming up on the show, an interview with General Manager Brock Sunderland. Dave, thanks for sticking around. Have a great broadcast tomorrow. Thanks, buddy. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. All right, so we got a little bit here from Mike Riley, and one of the frustrations, I think frustration number one for the Eskimos this season, uh, from a well, from a team perspective and a viewer perspective, has been the penalties. It's been obscene in a couple of games. They've been able to survive in some cases, but, uh, I mean, they had almost two fields worth of penalties in the win over Montreal last week. The other thing that has come up a lot has been slow starts 
for the Edmonton Eskimos, that they have not been great in the first quarter. So Riley uh, was asked about the team starting poorly today. I don't agree with that, though, to be honest with you. I'm not a stats guy, as Dave well knows, but I did look at the stats, and we're like tied for fourth and points scored in the first quarter in the league. So we're certainly not the best at doing it right now. Um, but it's I expected, based on how everybody asks me all the time about it, I expected us to be like ninth, and we're not. We're we're average, which is not good enough for us, obviously. You know, we have higher expectations than that. But, um, you know, what I did notice, too, in that breakdown was that we scored the most points in the league in the second and third quarter. So it's not like we're waiting until the fourth quarter like we did at times last year. You know, it's just takes time to make some adjustments and things like that. But to answer that part of the question, because there are times this year where we haven't scored points that we could have, um, has been penalties, in my opinion. You know, last game, I thought that we operated really well from the get-go in Montreal. We were moving to the first drive. We moved the ball down the field. Um, you know, we got stuffed on a second and short, which doesn't generally happen with us. And then we had another drive that uh, we got moved back because of penalties, and that kept points off the board. So if we're not executing points-wise in the first quarter, it seems like it's been because of those penalties. So that's something that we need to clean up for sure. But I think our execution has been good in the first quarter. So the discipline has not. Okay, well... Fair enough, but that lack of discipline and the penalties have prevented the Eskimos from doing very well in the first quarter. Uh, Mike's right. In terms of total points, they're right in the middle, tied for fourth with 30 first-quarter points. But here's the thing. 17 of those came in the very first game against Winnipeg. Then they got seven points the next week against Hamilton. In the last four games, the Eskimos have scored a grand total of six points in the first quarter and been outscored collectively 33-6 in the opening 15 minutes of those games. They trailed BC 11-2 after one. They trailed Toronto 12-1. The rematch with Toronto, they trailed 3-0. Last week in Montreal, they were behind 7-3 after 15 minutes. So uh, I appreciate what, what Mike is saying, that maybe they've been executing and that the penalties have kept them off the board, but there's still there are still things keeping them off the board, and there are still things hindering the way they have, have started games. The Eskimos are minus... 24 points for and against. Point differential, minus 24 in the first quarter. Quarters two through four, the rest of the game, they're pretty good. They're plus 48. So they're still winning most of the time with a record of four and two. But I, I, I get the sense watching a lot of games, I think some of you do as well, that they're they're just not coming out very smooth, that they can be a bit of a clumsy first-quarter team. That's how I would characterize it. So, uh, you know, hopefully that's a little better tomorrow against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who, by the way, speaking of first-quarter struggles, in six games, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have scored 11 points in the first quarter. That's right, 11 points in six first quarters. Less than two per game. So... Who knows? Maybe it'll be 2-2 after the first quarter tomorrow. They're, they will both start slowly. That's probably a safe prediction. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Book the Rumpus Room for up to 12 of your closest friends and dig in for a family-style chicken picnic at northchickenyeg.com. Coming up, we have Eskimos General Manager Brock Sunderland. You'll hear a little bit more from Chris Jones. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. A little bit more from Mike Riley about some of the changes on the offensive line. Inside Sports on Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. With no disrespect to Clayton, truly the greatest Kershaw of all time. Is this not Nick Kershaw, Kellen? That's correct. A little wouldn't it be good? Well, that takes me back to my childhood. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. It is 634. In a few minutes, we'll connect with Eskimos General Manager Brock Sunderland. One-third of the way through the season for the Green and Gold. They are sitting at 4-2. and two. Big home game tomorrow against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The Blue Jays lost this afternoon 8-3 to Oakland. The A's winning all seven games against the Jays so far this season. or Well, not so far. They're done. The season series is done. So they sweep the uh, season series. The Arizona Coyotes will retire Shane Doan's number 19. That'll be against Winnipeg on February 24th. Of course, uh, Doan, uh, the Arizona franchise, used to be the other Winnipeg Jets. The current Winnipeg Jets were the Atlanta Thrashers. So there you go. The Edmonton Prospects won last night, game one of their best-of-five first-round series in the Western Major Baseball League, winning in Okotoks 5-2. Prospects third in their division, Okotoks second. Okotoks had gone into the playoffs on an 11-game winning streak. So the Prospects get a big win, game two tonight at 7, game three tomorrow at 7 at REMAX Field. If a fourth game is necessary, it'll be Friday, also here in Edmonton. But the Prospects get the jump with a 5-2 win. Uh, Just getting underway in easily South Carolina, it is the Edmonton Cubs at the Senior Little League World Series. The Cubs, the Canadian champions, they won right on their home diamond a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they are going to be facing Italy in uh, an elimination game. It's uh, There's an international side and an American side. The uh, Canadians lost their first game. They uh, won their second game. We had assistant coach Shane Jones on the show on Monday. He was telling you how they've been dealing with the heat and then some of the stuff going on there. They were off yesterday, so playing Italy Tonight, just getting underway, so we can keep you updated throughout the show. And uh, like I said, double elimination. The loser will be out. So pretty uh, easy to follow what happens there. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports, the general manager of your Edmonton Eskimos, Brock Sunderland. Brock, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, I appreciate having you on the show again. It's always good to catch up. Uh, big game against Saskatchewan tomorrow. One third of the way through that season. Hey, you know, four and two. You do that in every third, you wind up 12 and six. I, I think most uh, most teams will take that. But uh, I'll, I'll start generally here uh, through that first third of the season. You know, uh, how, how are you feeling? Uh, what have you liked? Uh, what would you like to see a little more of maybe? Well, you know, I like four wins. Like you said, we're on pace for 12-6, and six, but the reality is we can't think that far ahead. In this league, uh, and especially in professional football, every week 
Um, the other team is just, just as capable as you are and probably just as talented. So we try to dial in and say, let's go 1-0 this week. And then if you had another number of those up, it'll take care of itself. So happy about the wins. You know, we, we came out of the gate a little decimated by injuries again, but we've rallied. And um, I'm really proud of the coaching staff and the players for whenever you use an excuse, we just next man up. Uh, the players are ready to go. The coaches do a great job of getting them ready to play. And uh, it's showing on the field. So that I'm really happy about. And like I said, proud of the guys. And the thing I'm most disappointed about was uh, the self-inflicted wounds. You know, it's something that we, we talk about here. We're doing what we can. But, you know, there's certainly a game at Toronto that we felt we were very capable of winning. And uh, we really walked away from that one thinking we beat ourselves more than than them necessarily beating us. That being said, when it came down to crunch time and and we had to make a play, they made more plays than we did. So we have to give them credit as well. But uh, we think had we handled our business and not shot ourselves in the foot, it wouldn't have come down to that. Well, Brock, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the self-inflicted wounds because one of the themes for you guys this year has been the, the number of penalties and obviously the yardage that it's added up to. And we've had a lot of players and, and coaches talking about it in, in interviews and on our station and guys talking after practice and all that kind of stuff. And a couple games it's been okay, uh, but obviously there's been some games where it's been pretty excessive. I, I know at the player and coach level they're trying to uh, improve it. At the, at the managerial level, you know, how do you look at the penalties? Uh, how can the discipline improve? Well, some of the penalties when you review the game, and that's one of the things that we do here is as a staff, I meet with uh, our coordinators and our head coach after every game, and then every four games we do the entire coaching staff. And one of the rules that I have is we wait 48 hours just to let motions kind of run their course so we can attack that meeting with a proper frame of mind. And once we watch the film, Quite frankly, some of the penalties we disagree with, and it's hard to chastise a player or threaten them with disciplinary action if we watch it and we can't see it. So, um, and I'm sure every team feels the same way. Uh, some of them are very blatant, and you know we, we speak to the players. It's difficult in uh, the Canadian Football League in particular when you have a ratio to just say, hey, we're just going to cut a player. Because what you don't want to do is say, oh, if you commit a penalty, then you know we're going to fine you or cut you. Because then you have players playing very tense. Uh, they're not themselves. They're pressing. Uh, the other thing is then they're playing in fear, and they're thinking more about the penalties than they are just playing football. So it, there's a fine line. Um, I think Jason and our coaching staff have done a very good job of getting that point across. The reality is coaches can harp on it so much. I can speak about it so much. At the end of the day, the players are the ones that need to take that into their own hands and be responsible. And uh, we cleaned it up last year, and I have full confidence that we will again this year. Okay, Eskimos General Manager Brock Sunderland joining us on Inside Sports. Eskimos and Rough Riders tomorrow, Rick Field at Commonwealth Stadium. One of the, the big stories for the Eskimos so far this season is receiver Duke Williams, who uh, was named a player of the month for uh, July. He continues to rack up 100-yard games, uh, five in a row, first Eskimo to do that since Brian Kelly back in the early 80s. So he's on an incredible streak. Uh, I think we saw it coming for Duke last year. Uh, we were hoping it was going to come this year, maybe for a lot of fans and observers, better than expected. Uh, give me a sense of kind of your hopes. For, and like you mentioned earlier, it's only a third of the way in. There's a lot of football left. But uh, your sense of what you were hoping to see from Duke this year and, and why do you think we, we've been able to see some so many explosive games? Well, I think he's exactly who we thought he, who he was. He's been that way, and I've said this a couple times. He's been the same guy 
with the same playmaking ability since we saw him at the open trout in Las Vegas in May of 2017. All he's done is, is make catches that he should make running through the ball. And then what we say on game days, which is high pointing the ball, making contested catches, catching the ball in traffic and getting yak yards, running great routes, getting open deep, doing all the things that have carried over. He's done that day in and day out literally since the first time we saw him. So we're not at all surprised. And, and quite frankly, last year, had we not activated at Aries Bowman when he came off the injured list, Duke probably would have been a 1,100, 1,200-yard wide receiver with 7 to 10 touchdowns and in contention and in discussion for rookie of the year. So he was the consummate pro. He's been patient. He's been nothing but a great person, a great teammate. Uh, from the moment he got to Vegas on up here into Edmonton and and he blocks hard. That's the thing is that what he doesn't go notice, I think, is how hard he plays day in and day out. He blocks his butt off and does all the little things that really help in the running game and, and help other wide receivers get open as well. So uh, I could probably sit here for 20 minutes and, and talk about all the things he does well. Well, yeah, there's there's a lot of them. He's had a great season, so hopefully he'll keep it going tomorrow night. Hey, Brock, I, I got to ask you about your secondary. You know, they they had a, a couple of tough games. I thought, uh, you know, obviously the the home opener against Hamilton uh, wasn't great when the opponent puts up 38 points. Uh, you know, against Toronto, obviously, you, you know, you held them in check for the most part. 20 uh, 21 game, 15 the last, so the the points against were much better there. I I know a bit of the story for the secondary has been injuries, and and then you got to put in some inexperienced guys and you know in the secondary there's nowhere to hide unfortunately if you if you make a mistake coach Benavides joined me a couple of weeks ago and says you know you, you you gotta you gotta teach him you gotta hope the experience pays off later in the season um you know it's I mentioned it's an unforgiving position so you know how do you you look at the hunters and the hoovers some of the guys that have uh, gotten in there and as a manager uh how do you balance the immediate result with the hope for maybe some payoff down the road Right. Well, some of those guys have been baptism by fire. Maurice McKnight, uh, Hoover, Money Hunter, some of the guys you'd mentioned before uh, had never played in this league. So I think besides quarterback, the most difficult position to play for the first time in the CFL is defensive back. The field is much bigger. The landmarks are very different. You've got the Wago motion. The route tree is different. There's a lot of moving parts, and we're very active in our secondary where we move those guys all around. So they're not learning just one position, which would be hard enough as it is. They're learning all of them on the go. So have they had a couple of rough games? I would say the Hamilton game in general, they simply just came in and, and whooped our butt. We need to acknowledge that. They did a good job. They, from, from opening kickoff to final gun, they outplayed us. And that's not just our secondary. That was the entire team. Um, other than that, I think there's been some catches on our guys that they were right in stride. I can think of a couple, um, McKnight in particular, where he's stride for stride in perfect position, and other players have gone up and just made plays over him. And you know what? Sometimes you need to look at it and say, this is professional football, and those guys get paid too. So uh, when you're in proper position, it's hard to chastise a player when he's doing everything you ask him to do. He's, he's doing the right thing coverage-wise as far as schematically. He's in stride athletically and they just making a play. So um, they've grown. They've done a really good job, I think, and I, I don't have the scores 100%, but I believe we've done you know, 20 points, 22 points against BC, 20 against Toronto at Toronto, and then uh, 15 here. And in the CFO, that's, that's pretty dang good from a defensive standpoint. 
Well, yeah, you're right. And then uh, 23 at uh, at Montreal last week. So a good point. Last four games, uh, 23 and under points against. So that's going to give you a chance most weeks for sure. Hey, Brock, it's always great to have you on the show. Thanks for uh, providing an update. Uh, like we mentioned, four and two, pretty good start. Big one tomorrow against the Riders. Hope it's a good one, Brock. Thank you, Matty, too. Thanks for having me. Awesome stuff. That is Brock Sunderland, the general manager of your Edmonton Eskimos. We were talking about Duke Williams. Who hasn't been talking about Duke Williams in the Eskimo Empire this season? He is the CFL, uh, one of the CFL Players of the Month for July 2nd consecutive honor for him. Three games, 21 receptions, 364 yards. Of course, five consecutive 100-yard games uh, ties him. We mentioned in the interview the team record with Brian Kelly. So if Duke goes over 100 tomorrow first Eskimo ever to have six consecutive 100-yard games. Head coach Jason Moss commenting on Williams' best qualities. His mental ability to understand our offense and the league and to utilize his body. I mean, that's that's the thing that I've noticed. I mean, he's extremely uh, intelligent as far as when we put in things, he picks it up quickly. He knows kind of how we're trying to use him, move him around and things like that. You know, we move guys around in our, our offense quite a bit. He's picked that up extremely well. Um, utilizing his body, you know, he, he was a down-the-field catch guy for us, you know, for the first part of his career and then first part of this year. And then all of a sudden now we're doing different things with him. And he's taken to some coaching, things that we'd like him to do differently on his route running to utilize his big body. Um, he's able to do that. So, you know, those are the two things. But, again, his body's changed too. I mean, his, his ability to run and play hard the entire game is probably what's helped his mental capacity because he doesn't have to he's not as tired he doesn't have to think when he's out there as much um you know fatigue slows everybody down in that regard and i don't think that's happening to him as much um and he's consistent he's there every day you know and um you know he brings the same energy in the meeting rooms and on the practice field and i think at the end of the day he just has a good report going with mike too i mean mike feels very comfortable with his reading his body reading his the way he runs routes he understands obviously mike understands well how we're trying to get him open um but he just has a good feel for where duke's going to be and i think that helps both of them all right. Well, yeah, no doubt. A lot of trust, like we were talking about earlier. Uh, the Eskimos receivers looking incredible. Williams leads the CFL in receiving yards. Darrell Walker is fifth. Kenny Stafford is sixth. They've been uh, racking up the yards, sometimes racking up the points four and two so far this season. Here's what we're going to do. Kellen, uh, we're going to do trivia, live trivia on the air. Okay. Two 18-round passes to the ranch. So if you like to golf, here's your chance to get out to the ranch. Great course, 780-496-0063. The uh, question will be about... Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Eskimos receiver Duke Williams. So if you uh, bring up some information on him in the next couple of minutes, that may help you answer the question when you get on live. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. You know what? I mean, our guys know what they're up against again. I showed them a, a bunch of examples the other day of 
you know, Kenny Stafford is completely covered to the field. You couldn't even see Kenny Stafford for uh, number 12 from Montreal. And I'm like, is this guy open? And everybody goes, no, he's not open. And then I showed where the ball being released and, the, you know, within a six-inch window, he stuck it in. And so certainly, uh, you know, Mike's one of the best that, that I've seen. Uh, tremendous leader. Uh, when he needs to put the team on his back, he puts them on the back. And, again, we, uh, we've got our, our hands full in Garden. Chris Jones, a little bit about Mike Riley, last year's most outstanding player in the Canadian Football League. I think he'd be right up there as a favorite again this year. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Ched. Tomorrow at 6, it's the pregame show. The play-by-play will start at 8 as the Eskimos host the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Man, we've been giving away a lot of stuff lately on the show. We have been We've been gifted by the free stuff gods. We gave away Eskimos Riders tickets uh, last week and into this week. We've been giving away two rounds of golf uh, at the ranch this week. That's what Kevin is looking to win on line one. Kevin, welcome to the show. How's your golf game this summer? Yes, Tim, but uh, I'm not too bad overall. Where do you usually play, Kevin? Uh, out in the Barhead area. Oh, wow. We had somebody from uh, the Barhead area. Did they win last night or did they call in for something yeah, else? It, it was last night that they won, too. So Right. And I was asking about Camp Creek and that I person. I going to say, there is a community called Camp Creek out there just uh, just north of Barhead. Yeah, that's like, well, I, I, got, I got a buddy who always says, I'm not from Barhead, I'm from Camp Creek. I guess it's like, you're not from Edmonton, you're from St. Albert. So, <laughs> you got to be sure. If you blink, you miss it, but it is there. Right, well, uh, having grown up in a uh, rural area myself, I, I, know, <laughs> I know what you're talking about for sure. Kevin, I got good news for you. Uh, you're probably the only person listening to Inside Sports tonight because you're the only person who called in to try to win. So you're going to win. Uh, you're, we're sending you to the ranch, but I'm going to ask you the trivia question just for fun anyway, okay? Okay. Uh, Eskimos receiver Duke Williams. What, uh, at what NCAA school did he attend in the Southeastern Conference? Uh, I'm going to say Auburn. He did go to Auburn, absolutely. He was an Auburn Tiger uh, back in uh, 2014, briefly there. Let's hope that he stays an Eskimo through uh, the next three, four years. Well, do you think they're looking at him south of the border? I, I, I can't believe that they wouldn't be because he is, uh, I mean, he was good last year, but he has been fantastic this year. He, uh, he had a deal with the Rams in 2016, didn't wound up making their opening day roster. I mean, if you know a little bit about Auburn, unfortunately there was, some, uh, there was an incident there that, that got him in a little bit of trouble, so he didn't stick around. Sometimes that scares off NFL teams. He's been nothing but a good citizen and a good player here. Now, here's the other thing, Kevin. What if Brandon Zilstra comes back to the Eskimos in a month or so? Oh, then, uh, then we're going to score a lot of points. <laughs> Kevin, stay on the line, okay? Kellen's going to take down your info and have fun golfing at the ranch. All right, thanks, Reed. That is Kevin calling in from uh, the Barhead area, so we'll send him to the ranch to play a little bit of golf. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, Duke Williams, I, I didn't see him taking off like this. I thought he'd be better. I thought he'd be a more important part of the offense. I thought he'd have a, a more developed game, a more mature game, more well-rounded, but he's just been an all-around threat. Remember that game against Toronto a couple of weeks ago? I mean, Riley threw to him 17 times. 
when he had nine receptions, and, and Duke dropped a couple that game. It was being played in the rain. Uh, by the way, could be rainy tomorrow if you're going to uh, see the Eskimos and the Rough Riders. Uh, worth getting some rain gear or something uh, that'll keep you dry. I know that last game against Toronto, I was decked out in my rain gear the entire time. Wasn't that cold? Turned out actually being pretty comfortable. The 50-50 tomorrow will start at $71,480 because of a carryover from the July 13th home game. Uh, remember last year, the uh, the Eberts, Quentin and Samantha, won what at the time was a record-setting almost $436,000. They will have extra uh, ticket sellers throughout the stadium concourse tomorrow for the increased demand. Obviously, people are going to be wanting to buy tickets, and with the riders in town, it's usually a larger crowd anyway. And don't forget, tomorrow's the annual food drive with Purolator and the Edmonton Food Bank, so you're going to have people on hand collecting non-perishable food items as well as cash donations. Oh, and the Grey Cup will be in attendance outside Gate 9, so fans will take their picture with uh, with the famous trophy. And uh, I, as, as you know, I'm, I'm a bit of an ignoramus when it comes to the modern hip music. Is that a word? Ignoramus is a word. Yeah, that's one of those fifty-dollar words. So, you're usually a <laughs> it means like, a... do I get fifty dollars for saying it, or no. do I have to pay fifty dollars for using it? E- and who do I pay? Uh, the word police. I could have given Kevin fifty bucks along with his uh, ticket, along with his golf passes to the ranch. Hmm. Uh, Jazz Carche will be performing in the South End Zone during halftime. I'm just now reading this off a press release. Stuff about the fifty-fifty and tackle hunger. I knew. Uh, described as Toronto's next big hip-hop hero. By ID Magazine, Cartier will perform some of his latest hits at the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Well, Toronto has had a lot of good hip-hop artists. Jazz Cartier, someone's going to have to... That should have that been a trivia... That should have been the trivia question. Teach me something... Name a song by Jazz Cartier. Now, look. I fully realize I, I'm not making fun of Jazz Cartier fans. I'm making fun of myself because I assume he's quite popular and I don't know any of his songs. Well, that makes two of us, Reed. Uh, this texter says, I'm a little worried that the Eskimos aren't offering Riley an extended contract. He's a free agent after the season. I can see BC and the Rough Riders going after him. Well, if Mike Riley becomes a free agent, I, I would think he's going to have some interest. I don't want to worry people there because of there's some uncertainty with the CFL-CBA, and I don't think we're going to see any free agents committing to extensions until that's ironed out. But yes, uh, Riley's contract does expire after this season. Hey, uh, one of the greats all time, Nick Lewis, leading receiver in terms of receptions in the history of our Grand League. 630 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.